This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to another edition of the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. I'm Billy Embody. We're going to recap what was a disastrous Cherubundi Boca Raton Bowl showing for SMU against FAU, a 52-28 loss to the Owls in their home stadium in the final game of this what was a historic season for SMU. They kind of go out with a whimper uh, in in Boca Raton, but we'll we'll touch on the game, kind of obviously where it went wrong, which is many places, and then we'll take a break and and look look ahead a little bit and at least take an early look at what needs to happen to this football team over the offseason to take the next step to make an AAC title game appearance to potentially win an AAC title and keep this thing on the up. Because, look, overall, they have a lot to be proud of this year. Beating TCU, setting a bunch of records offensively and and defensively as well, for that matter. But overall, you can't help but think maybe what, what could have been. You lose two games in the regular season by a touchdown each. You you obviously don't really even show up for the for the game against FAU and and you end your season ten and three, which is which is the first ten win season for SMU since since nineteen eighty four. But overall, just a really poor performance by SMU in, in this game against FAU. And I think when you and I said this before the game, I said I don't think FAU will have an issue getting up for this in terms of mentally because I watched that team dismantle a really good, well-coached UAB team in the Conference USA Championship game while everything was going on with Lane Kiffin and, and, and going to Ole Miss and all that. So I didn't really question that team's ability to get up for a game like this. When things started falling apart and you saw the academic suspensions and, and, and the, uh, you know, just, just obviously Lane Kiffin not coaching in this game and, and and then just kind of where the team was at, I just felt like SMU would be able to take care of business, and I thought they were better than this. I really did in terms of being able to put aside, you know, a trip to Florida or just thinking they could just throw their jersey on on the field and beat a, a conference champion. Um, and, and so I I overestimated SMU and where they're at, and 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 obviously kind of. You know, everybody who picked SMU kind of looks silly, but give give Florida Atlantic a lot of credit. They're athletic. They they can run. They they obviously played much faster than SMU. They were motivated. They were motivated by comments by by James Prochet at the at the luncheon saying that, you know, SMU's the higher ranked offense. Of course, SMU's kind of the, the better team. And, you know, look, whether James meant that in fun or serious trash talking, it was built bulletin board material for, for FAU and they used that to their advantage to get ready to go. You saw a lot of the players late in the game kind of pointing to the scoreboard saying, look at that score, you know, and, and to, you know, giving it right back to SMU. And they did that on the field. So overall, here's where I think things went wrong. I thought SMU came out with kind of this 
lackadaisical game plan where they were going to run the football, which is which is a, has been a staple of SMU. I have no problem with with running the football. I felt like it was a little bit too predictable, and then they started adding in the trick plays early on. I just didn't think trick plays were how this SMU team needed to get going against FAU. Because to be honest, the first I mean the first couple series, I, I felt like SMU was kind of was ready to go from a defensive perspective, especially. I mean, the game was seven nothing until three eleven into the into the uh, left in the first quarter. So it it was a game where SMU. I think let some opportunities uh, go by and not take advantage of them. I think the Miss James Prochet trick play pass to Xavier Jones on the first drive would have been a huge play. We saw Shane Bouchelle just miss a pass to, to, to James Prochet. That was, that was so close to being an unbelievable catch, but if he puts it on him, SMU's in FAU territory and driving, and instead they the pass goes incomplete. They get called for a false start on the next play, and then they end up punting. And, and then from there, they just weren't, <clears throat> weren't able to get enough going. And then FAU scored in the late in the first quarter. SMU responded with a drive, missed a long field goal. And then uh, they and then they took advantage of the FAU fumble and and scored a touchdown to tie it at seven. But my point is, is that SMU and and in the second quarter, I thought they kind of I thought they played with them for the most part. But you could certainly kind of see that game kind of unravel right in those last two minutes. FAU took advantage of of the the limit the, the amount of time left in, in the half to go down and drive and score with, with just a few few seconds remaining in the half and or, or about you know minute or so in the half and then SMU gets the ball back and they throw an interception right off the bat and, and FAU is able to score on the next play and that was kind of that was kind of it. Um, because from there, you know, SMU came out with a pretty good Pretty good push in the in the third quarter defensively. They forced a punt, blocked a field goal, and then the offense just couldn't get things going. And and two three and outs for uh, the the SMU offense, and it really just you know it, or uh, two four and outs I should say. They got first downs and then and then kind of let things go. But they just they were in a funk all night, and and it just they could never get themselves out of it. They couldn't complete the routine plays. Shane Bouchelle was pretty off on his on his down the field throws and and he wasn't making the the consistent throws that look that we've seen him make time and again this season and I feel like for Shane that game was just kind of I thought I thought Shane was kind of the epitome of where SMU was as a team in that game I mean Shane at times kept SMU in it and completed his passes were able to move them down the field you know found found Kylan Granson a few times but overall he just wasn't making the big play, and outside of SMU getting that, get forcing that fumble uh, against FAU and taking advantage of it for a touchdown, there wasn't any really splash plays for SMU. I mean, when the game mattered, I mean, late late in the game, they kind of made a couple of plays, scored touchdowns on their two last drives to make it a little bit better to look at, I guess, but not really even. So overall, I mean, it was a really disappointing performance for SMU. I, I think. One, first things first, bowl games are, are all about being mentally ready to go. And I, and I felt like SMU was mentally ready to go. I don't think the game plan allowed them to capitalize on that. And, and 
I mean, I mean that as like, I, I just don't think there were many routine plays that were called that could get SMU into a rhythm offensively. Defensively, they started with two, three and outs for FAU. So, I mean, what, what more can you ask for out of your defense early on? And then from there, they just couldn't get into a groove. And I, I think it was kind of similar to the Navy game. You know, SMU started off the Navy game going right down the field, and then they fumbled, and that kind of put them in a little bit of a funk and, and all that. But I think that set the tone. The one the one thing that has really stood out when SMU struggled offensively, they have not started well. And it's kind of it's been kind of rare. This was the first quarter uh, all year that SMU had not scored uh, in, in the in the quarter. And so for the most part, they've been fairly good at starting strong. But the, but this was this game just they could not get over that that poor start. And and so I, I think. I think most of that, in my opinion, would fall on the game plan. I don't think they gave them enough routine plays to kind of get them, build their confidence up, and then let them roll from there, and then you can throw in the trick plays. And then once things started to spiral out of control, FAU just – I mean, FAU wanted it. Like, once they put the pedal down and were able to kind of take over, they asserted themselves and and were just in control of the game. I don't think there was a moment really where people thought, Okay, SMU's got this. I thought the only time maybe was was when they went down and they tied it at fourteen. And I, I thought I thought that was kind of the only time where okay, all right, this is manageable. They might be able to do this. Maybe early in the second half when they got those defensive stops, but the offense wasn't doing anything. So why would you have any confidence they were able to get it done defensively? I thought SMU was was okay. I, I think. FAU had a really good game plan against them. I, I think they they were able to capitalize on a lot of the issues that I think everybody knew about SMU. Secondary is pretty pretty suspect, and then they missed some key tackles in the secondary that that went for touchdowns. The Trevor Denbo and, and I forgot who the linebacker was that missed the original tackle, but Trevor Denbo's tackle on, on that touchdown run was 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 poor. I mean it was it was it was awful. But that's kind of been. Trevor Denbo, the the especially the second half of the year, he was getting some praise early on um, for battling through. He was injured early in the year, and he had kind of put together a little bit of a good run, kind of bouncing back from the Arkansas State game where he was. That was when he was really hurt, and then it, it just hasn't really. I, I, he's been he's been a, a liability back there at safety for mo- most of the year. So SMU couldn't really get too much pressure on Chris Robeson. Only one sack on the day few tackles for loss so overall I mean the defense I thought I thought in in a way they gave them a slight chance to win because of how they were playing early in the game early in the second half but the offense just didn't do anything and I I don't pin I think I mean you, you can't really fault them for giving up the second touchdown late in the second half but I mean Gosh, it, it just when when SMU needed a stop, they really couldn't dial one up. Like when they when the game was in the balance and they needed a stop, they couldn't dial one up, and and that was kind of the difference. So I, I'm I'm more on on the side of this being on the offense. They were uncharacteristically out of sync. They did not put anything together that gave you much confidence that 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 they were going to pull it together and get things done. And so overall, I mean, it it was a pretty pretty just poor showing, and and they should they should be embarrassed. That's kind of how it goes. It was a great season, but they should be embarrassed about the way they played. Now I'll say this, and I've said this on the board, and I don't really care. People don't agree with it, but I, I can tell you this is the national narrative. Nobody cares about this game. 
nobody cares about the Boca Raton Bowl and how SMU fared in it or how FAU fared in it. Because guess what? FAU's moving on to a new coach. SMU's got Shane Bouchelle back. A lot of the offensive pieces back. They're going to be good next year. Nobody's going to care that a December 21st bowl game went this way when they look at SMU next year. SMU's going to turn over a a good bit on the defensive side of the ball. They'll have most of their offense back. They'll break in some, some new running backs into bigger roles, maybe get a grad transfer. But look, this is a team that is going to be good next year. The the program is on the up. Everybody recognizes that. FAU was the storyline on this one is FAU is a motivated team that was able to come out and, and kind of pull together. Now, a lot of people kind of compared this to SMU and the Frisco Bowl a couple years ago. It really wasn't the same. FAU was missing a ton of key players. That's a big difference. But they had both coordinators still in the fold. Charlie Weiss Jr. is one of the best. And then Glenn Spencer, who's going to be the D.C. at USF now, still running the defense. So they didn't lose much in terms of continuity, in terms of staff or anything like that. So they were able to put together a game plan and and stay at home and, and figure things out for about two weeks. So credit to them for a great game. But overall, I mean, I, I think SMU is very disappointed in this. But overall, it won't matter. It won't matter for FAU. It won't matter for SMU. And, and both teams are going to turn the page. So... With that, guys, I think I covered the game enough. We'll take a quick break from the pod, and we'll come back and take a look at what's next for SMU. Where do they got to get better? Where do they have to improve the roster? Some areas where I think they could be even better next year. We'll take an early look at that on the other side of this break from the Pony Stampede podcast. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app. Welcome back to the Pony Stampede Podcast. Thanks for listening. If you guys haven't already, I know it's kind of a dead period now, but again, check out PonyStampede.com. Hit that subscribe button. You can get CBS All Access included in your subscription. So if you're sitting around for the holidays with the fam, you guys can get access to over 10,000 TV shows on demand and live TV as well, all through CBS All Access, which is included in your 24-7 sports subscription. Now, SMU, like I said, wraps up a historic season, a record-setting season. Let's look at what they're going to lose next year, though. They're going to they're gonna lose, I think you start with, for me, the, for James Prochet, the record-setting wide receiver whose career is over. You lose two supplementary kind of wide receivers in Myron Gilliard and, and, and C.J. Sanders, who's the best statistical return man in the country, I believe. Uh, I think he was number one in kick return average, so a, a really strong piece in the kick return game there. But most importantly, you lose Prochet, and and he's somebody that has certainly been one of the best to, to suit up for SMU in, in, in a long time, and 
you know, with, with, with the run they've had of wide receivers through the years, I mean, it is impressive what he's done in his SMU career, set the single season touchdown record with that late touchdown against FAU and, and, and certainly not the way he wanted to go out, but an incredible career, three really good receivers walking out the door for SMU. And then in the backfield, you lose Xavier Jones, Kamen Freeman, and Merrick Pierce. Jones, Freeman, two guys that have paired together for really, you know, four straight – well, five – four four years of uh, running the football um, with Freeman coming in right after Jones and, and Braden West having left last year for that three-headed kind of attack. I thought X was great most of the year. I know both of these guys didn't have the rushing game that they wanted to against FAU. They did a pretty good job limiting them. But overall, you got two really good running backs walking out the door. I think Freeman, the way he was trending as a freshman, kind of the now, you, you kind of almost wonder if he didn't really get much better. But um, he had a big touchdown run against Memphis and, and kind of you know gave them that boost with that run when they needed it. And, and X was certainly, I mean, incredible. I mean, setting the single-season touchdown rushing record and – and, and being, I think, third all-time in, in rushing touchdowns. So congrats to them on, on two really good careers. They won a lot of football games at SMU. Um, you lose Ryan Becker, kind of a key, do-it-all type of tight end, a physical guy. I mean, I saw him on the field after. He was crying his eyes out. And and so you can tell that that's somebody that they're going to need in, in, to be replaced leadership-wise, somebody that really cares, somebody that wants to be there. Um, he did a lot of different things. He, he kind of got you know taken over by Kylan Granson, who – who had a huge junior year, but Becker was was really, really solid for SMU. And then you lose Nick Dennis, your starting right guard. Uh, right guard, You'll have a competition there. Kobe Bryant, um, and we dropped a note on Kobe Bryant's status on the board uh, as you guys are listening to this, but um, Nick Dennis kind of beat out Kobe Bryant earlier this year and, and was able to kind of put put together some good games. He's big, big, big guy and, and uh, physical. So, they lose Nick Dennis on the offensive line. They return the rest of the starters out of that group. Flipping over to the defensive side of the ball, Delonte Scott, Zach Abercumbria, Chris Biggers, Demert Gary, Pono Davis, all lost off the front front four there for the SMU defense. So just really a, a ton of depth that they're going to have to replace and other guys are going to have to step up. Guys like Harrison Loveless, Terry, Terrence Newman, Elijah Chapman, and even guys like Shabazz Dotson and Darren Brown, can they step up? Turner Cox, Gary Wiley, they'll need to step up. Nelson Paul played a lot as a true freshman. So there's a lot of guys that, that will have to step on the step up on the defensive line, but uh, a ton of veteran players depart from that group. You lose Patrick Nelson, one of the most productive sack guys in the country, a really hard-nosed football player, works his tail off. You lose his leadership off the defense uh, at, at that outside linebacker spot. And then they, they did have Kevin Johnson uh, walk and graduate, and he was hurt all year. Robert Hayes, who stepped in for, for Armani Johnson when he got hurt and played a lot, uh, he actually forced the fumble uh, against FAU that, that Armani recovered. So he's out the door. Rodney Clemens, your Jerry Levias jersey, big leader at, at safety. Uh, they, are, they are off um, to graduation, and, and so is Colin Rock, uh, who walked on, on senior day. So... You lose a lot. You lose Kevin Robledo. You lose Jamie Sackville as well. But overall, guys, I think when I sit here and kind of look at what's next for this team, I still think they're going to be better next year. I think they were, they've were they recruited really well. They've got some talent. It's just a matter of it stepping up now. I mean, who's going to be the Armani Johnson next year? 
at, at safety specifically. Is that going to be somebody like Donald Clay or Roderick Robertson, who Roberson, who's going to step up into that row role? Is it going to be Cameron Jones at, at Patrick Nelson's spot? Chevin Calloway played a little bit against FAU, who will kind of step up on defense to to kind of replace some of these key contributors. And yeah, you know, I think when you look at the needs of this team overall, I think adding a grad transfer at running back will be key. We don't know really who they're looking at there, but there will be some options. And then uh, the, there's help on the way at kicker and punter. We actually dropped two VIP pieces as you guys are listening to this one on kind of some targets for them to maybe address certain needs with. And then uh, another one just kind of over just looking at kind of where, where the team is headed next year um, as a program and, and kind of the roster makeup and, and some guys that are already on board to come in next year. So for this, I think you, you need a grad transfer running back. You need to get some help in that running back room to pair with Ulysses Bentley and TJ McDaniel. Wide receiver, you did a great job signing Danny Gray and, and Thad Johnson. They can kind of step in right away and, and figure things out there. And and Danny is, is going to be a huge help in the return game too. Offensive line, you signed seven guys in the 2020 class. Just a ton of competition coming into to the program at that position. I wouldn't be surprised if you saw some attrition at the at that position from some of these older guys that have been around a while and haven't really contributed much. But it's going to be a room that is ultra competitive. I think that's one thing that SMU's done a really good job of is not really allowing anyone to be complacent. They'll replace guys and play other players that are that are better or, or give better effort or practice better and, and deserve the opportunity. We've seen that throughout the year. Offensive line, I think, is one of those positions to watch. Defensive line, they've got to add a graduate transfer at uh, defensive tackle, get some depth in there, get some older depth, and then I think they need a linebacker and they probably need a corner or a safety. So they, they've got a few spots. I think they have four roster spots right now that they can kind of work with on transfers. And so it'll be interesting to see how they handle it. I think they've got a chance to be even better next year. I know the schedule gets a little bit tougher, but a lot of those games are at home, which is a big help. They'll be able to kind of, you know, use that home stand that they had this year as, as kind of a motivation to continue that undefeated at home for the first time since 1968. And, and that's certainly something to be proud of. It wasn't the, the gauntlet that it'll be next year in terms of a schedule, but overall, SMU played really well at home home this year. They took care of business, and they're going to get a lot of important football games at home next year, and they've got to take advantage of those games and and, and make them count if they want to get to an AAC title game. I th- I still think the I, – I said this before this season. I I thought SMU would win 10 games. I, mean, I didn't think the expectation would be an AAC championship type of season or appearance. Next year, I said that that would be the case, and – and I think with what they've done this year with Shane Bouchelle coming back, that'll be the expectation. So we're going to break down a lot more of the roster in the coming months and things like that. But um, did want to cover that and and kind of you know give some early thoughts on it for you guys as we put a wrap on the historic season for SMU. They finished ten and three overall, uh, a loss to FAU in the Boca Raton Bowl. But overall, historic season. It's been fun, guys. Thank you for reading. Thank you from for for posting on the board for being in the conversation all year. Let us know what we can do better on uh, our coverage, and then we'll certainly kind of take that into it. And uh, let us know what you want in terms of uh, coverage or opinion or, or what, what you want us to dig on, too. We'll be happy to uh, do that as, as uh, we'll, we'll certainly need some, some uh, more content with the basketball team struggling here. But 
we'll keep you guys in the loop on kind of transfers, maybe some late recruiting additions and, and things like that as SMU turns the page from the 2019 season and they'll start getting ready for 2020 here very soon. So hope you guys enjoyed this podcast and uh, hope everyone has a Merry Christmas or, or whatever holiday you celebrate. Hopefully you guys are uh, enjoying that with family around these holidays. So with that, signing off and hope you guys uh, have a great week. Hello, everyone. It's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meets.